0: Philippians 4, verse number 11 is our text verse this morning. You can mark your Bible there. and We'll reference this passage. Uh, Verse number 11, the Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I'm going to preach this morning on this subject, learning to be content. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the instruction. May we hunger not to find a church that would fit us. May we hunger to change to be like the word of God. And Lord, may we understand it. And Lord, may you give us understanding And then, Lord, I pray that you would make us, I pray that you would melt us and mold us into your image. I pray for your power as I preach in Jesus' name, amen. There is perhaps no greater passage of scripture in all of the Bible than this passage in learning to enjoy life learning to enjoy the goodness and the blessings of the Lord. The context of this passage is the Apostle Paul, and you have to remember who he was. He was the mean and wicked Saul of Tarshish. Though he was a religious man, he hated Christ and Christians. Not only did he have an inward hatred toward them, he sought them out to persecute them, uh, to put them in prison and to stop the work of Christ. <clears throat> of course, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, was converted and he became the Apostle Paul, one of the great pictures of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever give up to say, well, that's just the way I am. Give up to him and say, Lord, make me who you want me to be. So once Paul is persecuting Christians now, he is preaching the gospel. And Paul has been through many experiences, some good, many of them extremely difficult, and he is telling us what he has learned in the years and experiences of ministry since he has become the preacher, the Apostle Paul, and giving his life to preach the gospel. Paul was driven in his commitment to Christ. Paul served Christ as one who was working feverishly to pay off a debt. Paul described himself as a debtor to Christ, for what Christ had done for him. He wasn't just thankful on the inside. He expressed his gratitude by God, working to give others what God had given to him. And he says in this verse, I have learned, which meant he did not always know. But through experiences and through learning, Paul has come to the place that he says... I have learned to be content. Let's make sure we're on the same page as far as definition is concerned. The word learned, a simple word, it means to gain knowledge. It means to acquire knowledge or ideas of something that were before unknown. Uh, You may be here today and you say, I don't even know what content is, let alone whether I'm learning to be content. Uh, Well, there was a time that Paul would have said the same. So he said, I have learned uh, wherewith to be content. Now the word content is often misunderstood. Uh, The word content means this. It means contained or it means uh, self-contained. Uh, I've used as illustration for this word, uh, there was a time that apartment buildings were built and there was a general kitchen for several apartments. Uh, There was a general washroom for several apartments and while uh, there may be three or four or five apartments, they shared a kitchen or they shared a, a restroom or a washroom and Uh, the day came that they advertised uh, these are self-contained units, meaning that everything a person or a family needed to live was in that apartment. It had its own washroom, it had had its own uh, kitchen and so forth, and so it was self-contained. Paul said, I am contained in Christ. He didn't say I'm self-contained, he said I'm Christ-contained, or as the chorus says, Christ is all I need, and Paul said, "I've learned, I've learned to be Christ-contained. Christ is all I need." Now, let me let me further uh, uh, illustrate or give a definition of this word "content." It means to be contained. It does not mean to be complacent. Sometimes folks will say, well, I'm just going to be content and I'm not going to do anything else. But that, that doesn't describe Paul at all. Uh, Paul was not complacent. Paul described his life like this. I press toward the mark. I'm not just, I'm not just going to see if I can do something today. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm a debtor, I'm working to pay off my debt. Don't misunderstand me, Paul wasn't working for salvation. He just was so indebted to Christ that he described his life as a living sacrifice. The word content does not mean complacent. It does not mean apathetic. Paul was anything but complacent. He was anything but apathetic. There were times that they beat Paul, put him in prison, told him, don't you ever preach the gospel again. He not only did preach the gospel when he got out, he he preached the gospel while he was in prison. You're not going to be around Paul without hearing the gospel of Christ. So don't misunderstand the word content to mean complacent or apathetic at all. When Paul said he had learned to be content, he meant that he had learned whatever God has provided, that's exactly what I needed. I'm going to say it again because that is a foundation of the message today. He never let his wants surpass God's provision. He said, what God has provided is exactly what I needed. No more or no less, I'm content that that is all I will need. Now Paul said, I know what it's like to abound. He said, there have been times I've abounded in provision. There have been times I've had uh, very much. He said, there are times that I've been abased or I had very little. Uh, That meant that uh, uh, Paul's contentment was not in the amount, whether great or small. It is that he had learned what brought contentment was his decision that What God provides is what I need. Are you with me this morning? Understand what I'm preaching this morning. Paul said, I wasn't content when I had a lot because I had a lot. I wasn't content when I had very little because I had a little. I am content that whatever God gave me is exactly what I needed right then. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Some years ago, a successful businessman who had attended our church a few times and uh, had watched a television program, he made an appointment to see me. And uh, we, we chatted for just a few minutes, and then he began by commenting on my joy and happiness. He said, uh, you're always, even when you preach against sin, uh, you're uplifting, you're positive, and he said, I I I admire that. And he said, I think I know uh, where that came from. And he analyzed my life. And then he said, uh, I've grown up in a wealthy family. He said, I've never known want for anything. He said, my college was paid for. I could drive whatever car I wanted to drive. My business has been successful. And then he said this. He said, as a result of having wealth and never having to live by faith, he said, that's been a handicap and that's kept me from knowing happiness. He said, I wish I'd grown up like you, simple and even poor and learning to pray for God to answer prayer. I said, "Oh, let's trade places then. <laughs> he didn't think that was the answer either. Uh, and, and, and I told him, I said, I don't believe that's true at all. I don't believe that's true because Job uh, was a wealthy man and yet he knew the joy of the Lord. Abraham was a wealthy man and he knew the joy of the Lord. I've also met folks and I'm thinking of folks uh, uh, that have come to see me and they talked about things that they would like to do. Uh, They talked about things in ministry, things in church, things in life. I wish I could do this for God, and I wish I could do that for God. But then they said, I've always been so poor. I haven't ever been able to do anything for God. And I don't believe that's true either. I don't believe either one of those are true. I've had the privilege in life, and especially in ministry, to meet many people from all walks of life. Uh, I could name some of them that I have met that uh, some the world know, uh, some nobody knows outside of their own family. I've met many poor people. I've been in third world countries. I've been in places in America uh, that uh, are as poor as a third world country. I've been in places that just uh, folks were as poor as uh, you could imagine. I've also met with many wealthy people. I've been in some Uh, houses that look like motels to me. uh, I've been in uh, horse farm mansions and various places and I've met people of position of power and prestige. Now I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Not a single one of those people are happy or content or have joy because what they have or what they do not have in possessions. The ones that are happy, the ones that are content, the ones that do have joy are those who have decided that God's provision is exactly what they need. They're just satisfied with what God has blessed the work of their hands with. God's provision is their need. Paul said, I've learned to be content. If you're not happy today, it's because it's not because of what you have or don't have. If you're content with life, if you're content with God today, it's not because of what you have or what you don't have. Paul said, I have been abased, and Paul said, I have abounded. And I've learned in all of these situations, whatever state I am, therewith to be content. By the way, let, let, let me put this thought in your mind. There's some things that we all have in possession, whatever our lot in life is. For example, we all enjoy the same sunrise and the same sunset. We all enjoy the sun, moon and the stars and the sky, the stars that sparkle at night. We all have the same beauty to enjoy of the creeks and the rivers. And the oceans. And I don't know about you. I don't think there's anything more beautiful than God's creation. It, it's it's amazing to me. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. You get to enjoy all of that the same amount. We all have the rain and the sun to enjoy. Whether you be poor, or rich, whether you be saved or lost, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. We all have the beauty of the flowers and the birds and the scenery, the Colorado Rockies, the Smoky Mountains. The Appalachian Mountains are uh, to be enjoyed by all of God's people. We all have the same God. We all have the same Jesus. We all have the same Bible. We all all have the same love, and we all have the same promises. Uh, We all have the same Savior who died on the cross to pay for all our sin. Uh, We're equally forgiven. We have an equal home in eternity. And if we're not careful, we're going to get involved in this rat race of life and nobody's winning but the rats. We're going to get involved in this to the place that we think we can't be happy without this or that or this or here or there when the truth is, Paul said, I've learned something. I've learned that whether I'm abounding or whether I am abased, whatever God's provision is, that's what I need. It is sad, it is sad to watch folks try to find happiness and contentment when it's right before them. It's interesting what folks do to make them happy. Have you ever ever seen this uh, television program that says living off the grid? You know what that is? That's rich people trying to live off the grid, no electric, no running water. I saw that, and I said, I grew up that way. I, I, I'll take the grid myself, whatever that means. <laughs> I mean, I know what I know what running water means when you ran to the creek or ran to the well to get it. I understand, uh, but but isn't it something? You know what they're looking for? Contentment. You you don't find contentment on the grid or off the grid. You don't find contentment on the mountain or in the valley. You find contentment when you look heavenward and say whatever God has provided, that's exactly what I needed. If I needed suffering, I'm content. If I needed blessing, I'm content. If I needed poverty, I'm content. If I needed pleasure, if I needed wealth, whatever God has given me, I am content. Now, now, now don't misunderstand and go into the category of complacency. For you see, I believe we ought to give God our best in every area of life. And in every area of life, we ought to work and do the very best we can. And whatever uh, whatever God blesses that with, we ought to say, I am thankful for God's provision in that. I believe you ought to give your best in your business. I I believe you ought to give your best wherever you work, if you're a nurse or a doctor or a salesman. I believe you ought to give it your best. Don't live your life comparing and thinking, I wish I was like him, I wish I was like her. You give God your best and then thank God that he has provided for you because of your faithfulness and your faith in him and say what God has provided, that's what I need, therefore I am content. Every single person here today has the ability to come to a content place in their life. I did not say complacent place or a lazy place. I said content. I said contained. Christ is all uh, that we need. I know a man who, uh, a successful businessman that went with a group of businessmen uh, to a third world country to help build houses uh, for uh, folks that had little or no housing. And, and and that's a good thing. That's an admirable thing. And uh, as a fellow told the story, he went to a third world country and they were just surveying the place and of course it was a place of abject poverty and poverty uh, certainly as compared to uh, our average standard of life and uh, he discovered a woman that was living uh, not even in a shack but just she lived under a piece of tin. Uh, that was her only shelter in life. Uh, that's where she lived. That's where she cooked. That's where she, and, and, and cook was just a, a pot of soup and the same thing over and over. And uh, he saw her and he said, that's what I'm going to build a house for. And so he, he went and talked to her and in his conversation with her, he found that she was already happy. He found that she was already content. In fact, he found that she had something that he, as a successful businessman, did not have. He discovered that she knew Christ as her Savior, and she did the best she could and was satisfied with God's provision. Now, she accepted him building her house, and she lives in that house that he paid for, and physically, in his group, they built... But he got the better end of the deal for she got a new house. He got an eternal home in heaven because he said, I want what she has. And what she had was faith in a Christ that died on the cross for her sin. And today he rejoices that she lives in a temporal house, but he has a mansion in heaven because of meeting her. Get out of the rat race of life and look to God and say, God, thank you. For blessing my family, thank you for blessing my work. Thank you for blessing my school. Thank you for blessing my business. It doesn't matter what others have. What matters is that you've provided for me, and I've decided that I'm going to be content. Take your Bibles and go to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. In this chapter, we learn a period of time in Paul's life when he was abased. In, in 2 Corinthians, i in mean 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I was waiting on you, now you're waiting on me. Go to verse number 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was, was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters. And he lists all of the places that he'd been in. Danger of life. He could have lost his life in any one of these places, whether it had been robbery uh, by, by by enemies or by even his own countrymen, uh, whether he was in the city, whether he in the country, in the wilderness. Verse 27, In weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst, in fastings often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things which are without That which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. He said, I have a work to do, not just to lick my wounds. I have work to do as well. You talk about becoming a success in life when you can keep on working while you're caring for your wounds. That's a success. Some folks quit work because they're having a difficult time. They just stay home, just quit. I'll lick my wounds. I have to feel sorry for myself and have to tell everybody else how to feel sorry for me. He said, No, I, I still cared for the church. Verse 29 Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Now, wait a minute. Why, why would you glory in infirmities? Verse 31. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Now, what's Paul saying? When you come to chapter 12, you learn further about these infirmities. And Paul is glorying in his infirmities. Now, I want you to hear me well. Don't don't miss this. He said, the reason I glory in my infirmity or in my weakness, it is because my infirmity introduces me to God's provision. Whatever need I have, God meets that need. So he said, every infirmity is an opportunity for God to meet the need. And he said, I've learned this. No matter where I am, no matter how deep or no matter how high, God always meets, are you listening, the need To accomplish his will, therefore I might as well just be content. Because he always takes care of me. What we possess or what our position or achievements are do not bring contentment or happiness. Quit teaching your children that there's any happiness or contentment in the things that you possess. There's more joy in earning them than there is in owning them. Don't teach your children, if you ever get a nice house, then you'll be happy. You can live in a tar paper shack and be happy. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying, don't think happiness is what you own or your position in life. Happiness is giving life your very best, living in character and faith in God and whatever God provides, saying, God is provided, and for that, I'm grateful. Let me ask you a question. Looking back over your life in times of difficulty, in times of challenge, in great trials of life, I want to ask you a question. Did God meet your need through trials of the past? Did he meet your need in the valley of death? I look across the room and I know of folks that not only have said goodbye to a loved one that was a senior citizen or older, there are folks here They buried children. They they, they go to the cemetery. They don't go to see the the, the grave of the grandfather and remember a life. They, they, They look at the grave of a child. One who didn't live but maybe a few days or a few weeks, some, a few years. But I ask you the question, even in that, was God able in time of death? When I look back, I realize that every valley of death I've gone through, God has been with me by my side. In sickness, he met our need. In financial difficulty, he met our need. In confusion and even failure, he picked me up and he carried me through. So if I have learned anything from the past of what God has done, It is foolish for me to doubt tomorrow. Paul said, I've learned whatever state I am to be content. God's always taking care of me. I'm very excited about our building program. Not a day that I don't walk around it and pray around it. It is not exactly what I planned, but it's better than what I exactly planned. It's better. You know why? Because because God is taking care of it step by step, day by day. Every worry we had looking forward was a waste of time. Every doubt we have in a moment is a waste of time. Just keep giving it your best in life, marriage, family, work, walk with God, school, and thank God for what He provides you with how he blesses you and say i'm going to live this life content the songwriter said it well when he wrote the song trust and obey here's how he said it when we walk with the lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey not a shadow can rise not a cloud in the sky but he, but his smile quickly drives it away not a doubt or a fear not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we we will do, where he sins we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. We can live there. We can live as the wealthiest person in the world, not by what we live in or drive, but by what God has provided we're a mighty blessed people. Preacher, what I have to do to learn to be content, I'm going to read five statements and I'm finished. Number one, realize that it is not what I have or do not have that gives contentment or peace. It's not what I have or don't have. This generation in America has more than any generation before. I think I could say we have more in storage than our grandparents had in life. I read the other day the statistic of the amount of money Americans spend to store stuff they don't have room for at home. And then, after they store it for an average of three years, they sell it for pennies on the dollar, and they sell it for less than what they paid to keep it in storage for three years. And most folks throw away things out of storage so they can store more stuff that's newer than the older stuff they had stored. Now, I read that report, and I thought, happiness is not what I have or don't have. Contentment is not what we have or don't have. Contentment is looking to heaven and saying, what he has provided, that's what I've needed, therefore, I'm content. Number two, come to a decision that God's provision is your need. Number three, every trial is an opportunity for for God to show himself strong and sufficient. Expect it. Don't tell God what to provide. Just tell him, this is my need. God will provide for that need. Number four, give thanks to God for everything you have in life. You ought to thank God for the sunrise and the sunset. Thank God for the beauty of all that we see. Thank God for your family. Thank God for the house you live in. Thank God for the car you drive, the shoes on your feet, the clothes on your back. Thank God. Tell him out loud. Tell him, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for your goodness to be. We're blessed people. Number five. Think about what the Bible teaches us here and make a decision to apply it to life. Now, go to our passage of Scripture. Open your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at it again. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful or full of care, but but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, For I have learned, in whatsoever state I am therewith, to be content. I know both how to be abased, to lose everything. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this, I can do. Paul said, my contentment is not complacency to never do anything else. Paul said, I can do all things. There's nothing I can't do. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul said, I have learned to be content. I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I want in my life. That's what I want in my home. That's what I want my children to learn. Don't don't give your life chasing things that you think happy will make you happy. Live your life for the only one that can show you what happiness and contentment is. Stand with me if you will, everyone standing. If you're here this morning, you do not know Christ as your Savior. You can't find contentment because contentment is in Christ. He loves you. He died on the cross to pay our sin debt and to be our Savior. And all we have to do is receive that free pardon of sin. You're here today and you've never received that. When he sings on the invitation song, you ought to step out of your seat, tell one of the men that will be standing in the front, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. If you've been saved but you haven't followed the Lord yet in believer's baptism, you ought to come today and decide to be obedient to Christ. The water is warm, the clothes are ready. You can do that today. Perhaps you need to find a place at this altar and say, Lord, help me, forgive me. For not being content. Paul said I've learned to be content even with my infirmity. Because that's where Christ shows himself strong and real. Heavenly Father bless your invitation I pray. Thank you for your loving goodness to us. And Lord you are mighty good to us. May we look at your provision for us and say. I am content. I am Christ contained. There are many struggles represented, and there are many burdens represented in this room this morning. There are many folks that we hurt for and that we're praying for this morning. And I pray that you'd help us to know that you are the answer to every request, and you are the all sufficient one, and how we need to seek your face, Lord, for the help that we need. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings,